Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. Welcome to the second part of my conversation with Steve Randolph, the founder and CEO of Harbormaster. I hope you enjoy the rest of the talk and let's have a listen. So really, really cool um, detail things that you come up with and um, you came up with and that's really, really valuable. You know, what's funny is I think a lot of that comes from, you know, once upon a time I was an enterprise architect. And what we like at that level is predictability, right? We don't control, you know, the ones and zeros and we're not there really grinding through code reviews, et cetera, but predictability, right? So when we actually say something, we would know from an architecture perspective, it would become pervasive throughout the landscape in terms of new development, at least, right? But because we never had any control over that, right? We would have a document that they would show us as a team and say, hey, here's our intent from an architecture perspective. And we look and say, okay, does it have all the illities in it, right? Right, Scalability and all these other things. And we look and say, that kind of does, but we had no way of assuring it can, right? So yeah. one, of the, one, of the, one of the bigger cells I've always found is enterprise architects, chief architects who understand, yeah, they think it's cool that the tool can do the tool kind of things, right? At the low level, but what they like is predictability. It's like, so everybody who starts a new project and uses this tech stack, they'll be starting from the same place. It's like, yeah, we don't have that today. You know, you might have, you know, a common Maven repository and a common Docker file and some other little common things, but no. So when you, to your point, going from team to team, team interaction and or a person going from team to team, there's really not that same level of predictability, right? In terms of um, how this thing is built, uh, what got generated, uh, how it works, et cetera. So when you can have that, and you can modify it before you actually generate. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm not tooting my own horn, but that's pretty cool. That's priceless. <laughs> <laughs> I think so because, and I think the other benefit of it that I see is that um, if you're onboarding a new uh, team member into your team, then they can actually go look at that properties file and get a lot of information about the structure of um, this this application they're working on. And I think that's really uh, extremely valuable for somebody who's new to this project, who's new to this. Uh, you know, you you open up your IntelliJ, for instance, and you're like, oh, what what's happening? What are these files? How how's the structure of the uh, the the project itself? You can go and get that information, and I think that's uh, extremely beneficial for somebody who's new to the team and come in and kind of trying to find their way through this maze of files and packages and things like that, and um, also. Um, in terms of deployments, because you also touched on that, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of things that they can do and modify. So tell me a little bit about that also. Yeah, so you, thank you. I didn't really go into that. So we have a, a single YAML file. So you get the property file and it says, hey, here's where I want these files to go, right? Yeah. But before you even get to that, we have what's called a project is code YAML file. And in that simple YAML file, you know, just like you would with a Docker file or even a Kubernetes YAML file, you know, you're saying simple things, but a lot's going on under the covers, right? You're just using these little words, knowing that under the covers, you know, it's it's doing so much for you. That's that's how you want to encapsulate those complexities. And we do the same thing with project generation. You know, you're telling it just by name, I've got a tech stack and here's the name. I want to use this one 
not that one, this one. Here's the name of my model that I've already, you know, I've either shared with the platform or I wanted to load on the fly. And then you're providing things like, here's my Docker stuff, right? Here's where I want you to put the image. Here's my credentials. Here's my GitHub stuff, just in case you want us to push the project that we generated somewhere. Here's all my Axon stuff, right? The port and I mean, I'm using the server. Like you're answering, you're just kind of touching on simple things with simple text, true falses, names of things. I'm using H2 versus Postgres. I'm using MongoDB as the event store. All those things now sit in a property file. So now that I can instrument those there, knowing that when I hit a button, it's all going to get taken care of, right? So from a new developer's perspective, again, I think predictability is important. So even if I was new, say I was not new to the organization, but I'm new to this team, knowing that they're using this tool, I already know what to expect, right? I've already seen this instrument panel before. I already know when I touch and turn these things, here's what I can expect for the output. And you're right. So I've been in many places where they'll just say, hey, go to, here's the, here's the Git repo, uh, do a clone on everything. And, uh, you know, you can get started. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, and look at the Java the... docs too. It's like, I don't know what it is. And good luck if the readme file is not even completed <laughs> or then you're completely lost. Good yeah, it's usually the, it's usually the generator readme file, right? It's like okay, I I finished reading you ten second in ten seconds, like I so to your point. And by the way, I had never really even thought of this, so I, that's why I'm like enamored by you thinking on this. But again, having my background, that was the purpose. It's like we I can't keep going from engagement to engagement, having to relearn everything. So if we can provide the source of what's going to become predictable, we're more efficient. I can bid on the job and charge less because we're generating versus working, you know, time material. And it just makes it easier. So I will tell you the following, any situation where they've asked us to come in and do work, if we can't use the tool, we can't like it. You can't build a house with a hammer now, right? Maybe a nail gun, but there's some tools you just, you just have to have now. And I think that's, I'm hopeful at some point, that's how I, I do see event sourcing becoming that at some point in the future. And I also am hopeful that project generation is the same way. It's like, you know what, we my grandsons will tell me, hey, you know what we do now? I'm like, oh, yeah, we used to do that by hand, but now you guys just what? Yeah, we're just talking to a microphone, and suddenly the project just gets started for us. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I say, you know, your grandfather was part of that. He goes, yeah, I know you weren't. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right? Oh, that's amazing. fantastic you know and I think it really is important because that again that one that first step of generating a project especially if you don't know all of the tools that are involved the ins and outs of it it's just there's so much involved that it can take months to get something started but if you can use this generator and just just get going with with your actual important coding that you need to do and getting your application started and getting to the really cool stuff that you wanted to do with it instead of worrying about oh my gosh what what kind of dependencies do i need in here what how do i structure the application I mean, you you already take care of that you're good to go just go have fun with it which is really really important and um i'm sure a lot of people don't want to deal with the all of the nitty-gritties at the beginning they just want to go and make something really yeah, cool and there. interesting yeah, yeah. And, you're, and you know what's funny sarah and you're so right to even point that out you know one of the things I try to explain is like, it's not just the stuff that works, right? Okay. So you can, you know, you go from making a request to create something and it figures it out and somehow it ends up in the database. I'm like, what is baked into these templates are the problems that we found along the way, 
right, that you don't need to do anymore, right? For instance, you can't use this version of this JAR file with that one. Otherwise, it'll have a runtime exception. Like all these, so we don't just, you know, by the time we have, have a tech stack ready to use, it's already got baked in, you know, uh, lessons learned, right? right. Uh, things that, you know, we, we saw out there in the industry where somebody, either the vendor, Axon, for instance, would recommend doing something a certain way. We're already, it's already in there, right? So by the time you get to the place where things are generated, it's not just the things are functional, but all those other things, the bugs, the, the, the stuff that you would have run into otherwise, they're just gone. So hopefully, yeah. right, if this becomes wildly popular, the number of questions people have about Axon will go down, right? They won't have right, discussion.axonic.io, right? It'll be, there'll be crickets up there. They'll be like, hey, <laughs> We got this figured out. All the mistakes that I made, you don't have to make them again. Only if you could generate an application from parenting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> don't make the same mistakes that my Don't make the same mistakes we made. And we make them. I mean, you know what's funny is if I could sit and document what it takes to build a tech site, you'd realize, I mean, by the time we have something we're ready to, to use and or publish, we've probably generated uh, close to eight, 500 to a thousand times, right? Because wow. it's just, you, you, again, it's new to us, right? I'm yeah. new. We, we're stepping to Django and, and Ruby on Rails. I've never done Ruby on Rails. So how are you going to provide a tech stack on Ruby on Rails? Well, guess what? By the time you're done with it, you're going to be real good at Ruby on Rails. But what you're <laughs> going to discover is that you weren't really good in the beginning and you're going to have to go through probably a few hundred iterations to get to a place where people who are really good at it look at what you generated and say, yeah, that's really good. That makes sense. I could use that. Because like, that's the goal, right? Like we're going to have, we have dissension. We always have dissension, right? Somebody will say, well, you know, I could, I can write that as fast as you can generate. I'm like, okay, that's not, that's impossible. But let's get over that for a second. The next thing they'll say is, well, that's not the way I would have written it. So again, we had to make sure that these tech stacks weren't closed and that people could edit them before they generate. Otherwise, you know, we just, we just run into all the problems. So my experience uh, has been helpful from getting, like I said, from getting yelled at and or talked down to, you can, you can, once you get over that, you can figure out, Hey, how do I avoid that? And you avoid that by, you know, sucking up your pride and making sure that the platform has enough flexibility to address all kinds of issues up front. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's really, it takes, it takes a di different kind of um, way of looking at it, right? You have to completely let go of your ego and just say, okay, just, Bring it. <laughs> Show me all the things that I did wrong. <laughs> Everything that yeah, I Yeah, because up. what you're doing and is you're abstracting. Not taking it personally, right. Yeah, right. You, you don't take it personally. And what you're doing is you're listening to all these opinions, right? And you're trying to come up with an abstraction to resolve them all, right? And, and you can't all of them. Some of them are just obscure. They're the outliers, right? But if you took it as a bell curve and you said, you know what? I've heard that thing enough times now. I have to, I have to consider it in the platform. I think that's really where we are today. That's sort of the beginning thinking of it. It wasn't just being fixated on Java because I like you were doing it in Java. And who cares about NoSQL? We're just going to persist to relate to this. It's like, you know what? We have to maintain the flexibility to incorporate multiple languages and multiple frameworks and all these other things. But more importantly, I think it's the design patterns mm -hmm. where when we've introduced something, um, is it possible that what we've done isn't going to be uh, acceptable. And if the answer is not, again, they're usually amazed. They'll, they'll see what we generate and they'll say, well, we don't, I don't think that that's the way to approach that particular solution. I'll, I'll 
I say, can I share a screen? I'll open it up. Yeah. I say, what do you think we should do? And I'll type it and I'll do it right there. And hopefully it works because I have to generate it and it compiles. <laughs> I say, this is what you're thinking. And that, that again, you're getting people who came to the, to the table, not with an agenda, but real concerns. Because anytime you hear the word co-generator, it makes people get a little sick to their stomach. So he said, well, how about application generator? Like, eh. how about project generator? It's like, eh. maybe you get rid of the word generator. It's like, okay, how about instantiator? So no matter what the word is, right, it's going to all come back to the fact that you guys generate code. It's like, okay, let's just stop. We generate code. That's fine. But before we generate it, we're going to let you take a look at what we do so we can make it the way you want it to. And uh, that, yeah. that's been a, that's been a huge learning, a learning uh, part of it. So having the flexibility to adapt to the, those opinions and encapsulate those as solutions is really where, where we, uh, where we sit today. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. thank you for mentioning some of those things that you're really perceptive. <laughs> no, well, no, <laughs> I, and really I mean that sincerely because most people, they're just so fixated on the end result part, you know, the code. Hey, how many lines? How many lines of code does that generate? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. It depends on the tech stack and how big the model is, you know. Yeah. So they're fixated on numbers of lines of code, and uh, you know, are you using this version of this library? Those sorts of things. But you know, you you seem to be perceptive enough to actually the things we are focused on are soft that we don't mention, uh, but they're extremely important, uh, extremely important. And, and don't forget Thanks. too, we have to use the output too, right? So when we generate. We have to use it too, so we're really sensitive to, you know, is this stuff even any good that we're generating it? Uh, hopefully, you know, others will find. Yeah, this. and I, I think you guys do a really thorough job at quality control. You're, you're constantly listening, and I think that's an important thing that uh, sometimes is um, overlooked a little bit. That whole listening aspect of what is it that. Uh, this user wants to have, how is the experience for the end user? Uh, And that's really, really important. And um, I I appreciate you listening and kind of uh, looking at different ways of doing it and being flexible about it, because that's, that's the important, that's the key word, having flexibility. You're not married to what you're saying, and this is my way, or if you don't like it, take the highway. That's not it. It's just, let's work together. <laughs> just, um, you know, go through that process with a little bit more ease for everybody. Now, one of the things I do want to ask you, um, because we, we talked about it briefly before, is so we did come up with Axon Alienizer a few months ago. And uh, there are some things that uh, do overlap with, uh, with the uh, project generator that you have created, but there are certain things that uh, are completely different and yours go a lot more into uh, details of uh, just end-to-end product, basically how you want your project to um, be generated from the beginning to the end, which the initializer doesn't quite do that. Now in the future, uh, and we're not making any promises here at all, <laughs> I don't like to over-promise and under-deliver anything, but <laughs> There is that possibility of, um, you know, working with the two and sort of um, coming up with something that's even greater than the initializer itself and the generator itself, or is it something that um, is not currently in the, I don't know, future planning? Thanks for asking about that. So I would say that the short answer is if you don't have a model, you can't use the generator anyhow. So you should use the initiator, right? You should get, you know, the, the sort of the, 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 the dependencies, the build dependencies down, right? That, you know, go to the tool, use it, select, you know, tell it what you're doing, what your plans are, and let it go ahead and lay down 
the dependencies, right? And, and some of the uh, some of the other files that even if they're empty, you'll have them there, and you'll begin to get your your project structure. You'll have that. That's that's a start. Right? You you have to do it anyhow, so you might as well click a button and do that. If you have a model, right? And that took work to get, right? You got a model, you got one you trust and you like. Uh, hopefully, maybe we helped you build it, or Axon helped you build it. Uh, then you then you should consider using the tool, right? Like you're, you're at that point, you've got so much context sitting in a file, right? Whether it's you know a YAML file, a JSON file, or some other file that maybe is you know more tuned to a modeling tool, that you should give it to something that can cheat and and lay down the groundwork for you, right? Like you just it wouldn't make any sense not to. But to to your point, I do think that there's I think that there's possibly just some natural synergy, even if it would just surface synergy between the two, because yeah, a lot of folks, they don't have a model, which is amazing. Right? think about it, right? This is an event, you know, driven architecture, right? We're trying to advocate, you know, domain driven design. We're talking about event modeling and a domain model and they don't have a model. That's okay. Right. right? That, 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 that's okay. That's fine. They just want to still get, into doing something right so they could use our tool still with a with a sample model just so they can see what it looks like but then you're going to have to go through and decompose and throw out half the stuff because those aren't your things right you're not you're not building you know for that domain but in that case absolutely you know you would use the uh, initiator to get yourself started so i think that there's something there i mean i don't i don't know what it is but i think because they're both playing in the same space of getting something started it would i mean the, the 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 natural the lever, the switch between the two is with or without an event model, right? That's that's really the difference between the two. Yeah, and I really, really appreciate you mentioning the modeling and sort of planning ahead kind of, uh, portion of it because if there is somebody who just wants to play around uh, with the idea of uh, event-driven architecture, axon framework, what have you, um, sure, the initializer is the quick route to take. If you do have some planning uh, in advance, then... Uh, of course, the project generator is um, is a better route to take. So lots of really wonderful um, things in the future. And I know you have some really cool things um, in, t- in the planning mode right now. And uh, I know we, we talk on a weekly basis. Actually, I just popped into one of your talks today. I kind of uh, <laughs> invited myself a little bit. <laughs> I do like how you just showed up like, hey, where did Sarah come from? I didn't see her last week. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> It's it's a running joke. I'm everywhere. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was really cool to to hear some of the the plans for the future, and I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing more uh, as we get this partnership uh, tightened up a little bit and uh, work on several different things. Uh, are there any of the things in the planning mode that you'd like to share? Is anything confidential? You don't want to do that's okay too. But oh, I'm just no, curious you. what you have in plan. Yeah, no, thank you for asking. So I think um, there's there's a couple of things. I think from a partnership perspective, we you know it's it's still new, but we want to continue to prove ourselves to you as a partner, as well as to 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 customers either in the pipeline or out of the pipeline. That what we're doing is really just trying to enable Axon, right? How do you, how do you get to use Axon? How do you get to use it faster, easier? Mm-hmm. How do you make decisions? You know, how can we get more confident with you know the things that Axon's all about, right? The CQRS and all those all those great design concepts that are sitting in there, how do we get them there faster, right? So that that's exciting to me. That's, a, that's enough. And what we're going to continue to work on, and hopefully we can collaborate more with you guys, is just really on event modeling itself. You know, there's no clear singular 
spe uh, specification on what it is to model an event, right? What are you capturing for the data? What are you capturing, uh, you know, in terms of the model? So if we can do some of that together, right? Even if initially it's just in a, in a text file, right? That eventually it has some graphical UI to it. You're really going now end to end even better, right? You, you, the user is able to start to think about events in a modeling way. Right now, we, you know, you may hold the sessions and you may have a bunch of yellow stickies and all these great things, but they still have to go from sort of a manual operation to take their thinking and event modeling and turn it into something else that's more consumable by the platform. So I think that's a part of it. We had, we've been talking a while, honestly, about the decomposition of J2EE applications. So most places we step into, and Axon would know this, is that you know the, those applications are uh, off limits because they're precious, and they're sitting on they're sitting on infrastructure that's becoming obsolete. Right, WebSphere is still here, WebLogic, JBoss, but if you can get your hands on decomposing those applications into microservices, um, that's gonna that's gonna be in a phenomenal thing to happen in the industry. And I think if you can get them moved over, I mean they're already needing to be rethought. Right, they're they're sitting in this particular uh, container, how do you put them in another container? If we can, it, it, one of the things we're working on and, and doing some serious thinking around is, you know, how can you do that in an automated way, right? So I can right. step into an engagement, somebody can point me to an application that's traditionally run in WebLogic and it can be decomposed for the most part and be put onto an Axon framework, right? Running on Spring Boot. Like if you can start to automate that, then you start to have factory like refactoring of applications, that's going to be another way to sort of move people more quickly over to the axon. Because I think uh, I think the automation piece and the generation piece, it 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 happens so quickly uh, that it it will alleviate a bunch of things, right? I mean, if it's a one for one in terms of the work, then you can complain about the complexity, right? Ah, this is too hard, too much. But when it's not one for one, right? When you're talking months to minutes, it's like okay, well, I still think CQRS is a bad idea but maybe I can like it better now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? So, you know, so I think, I think us tackling, we're really focusing on, I'm glad that you asked, really starting to focus more on, Hey, how can we refactor applications? So we usually talk about new application development, but we've also got the ability to refactor. If somebody says, Hey, there's a database over there. We can refactor out of that SQL into an, into a domain model. They look at it and say, yeah, that's what we, that's, that's kind of right. Or they'll touch it and then we can spin up a new application on a different tech stack. And what that gives us the ability to do is quickly show them that you've got these ideas sitting in this old tech stack. What if we put them in a new tech stack? We'll eventually get your application written over there. But meanwhile, other people can start using that new functionality, right? Like it's provisioned already as a microservice. Don't people need to look at customer and account? Yeah, they'd look at it in a million different ways in the company. Well, wouldn't it be great if we can start to sort of shrink that down and get a consolidation in terms of those concepts? So us refactoring applications is as equally important as spinning up new ones as well. Right, exactly. And I'm so glad you brought up the topic of event modeling because that's probably hands down one of my very, very favorite things to do and talk about. And um, I'm a very visual person, so just, Seeing it really helps and talking about it really helps. Obviously, I like to talk to people. And um, so I think that's, that's one of the cool things that uh, that you are doing. And, uh, and I'm so, so, so looking forward to seeing more and how that uh, automation aspect of it can work and can help everybody to 
be able to uh, even do more after the project has started right. how can we how can we develop it more how can we evolve it more which is uh, something that's really really interesting to me so um wow a lot of great things coming up a lot of wonderful things i am really looking forward to seeing more and i'm really uh hoping that i can uh get have a chance to talk with you uh again in the new year and uh come back and see uh what other new things are doing and um what we're doing together as partners and uh yeah, really, really looking forward to all of that. So I really appreciate you taking the time to really go through some of the details of what you do and what we do together and uh, sharing all of those uh, wonderful tools and ideas with me and everybody who's listening. Yeah, no, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for the opportunity to talk. And yeah, I think as we turn the corner to the new year, we'll probably have a good number of customer success stories to talk about, you know, and, yeah. I'd, and, and you know, love to be able to come back on and, and share those with folks as well. So thank you. Absolutely. Can't wait for that. So I hope you have a great rest of your evening and uh, oh, you talk too. to you soon. Very hopefully. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you, Sam. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Steve. Please join me next time as I discover other really interesting and fascinating topics and talk with wonderful guests. Until then, have a great time and happy coding.